Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to On the Line. It is Tuesday, October 4th, and we are in the spooky, spooky season of XC. I'm Corey Mall here with my co-hosts Olivia Ekpenay and Ashley Titians, and we have another jam-packed show for you, complete with an interview with arguably maybe the greatest high school athlete in Kentucky history in cross-country and track. A recap, recap of the week that was. Uh, we opine about our national individual championship contenders and we will hop into our current entries of the Garmin Running Lane Championships. As always, we'll preview the week ahead, including a blockbuster Manhattan Invitational in New York, where Olivia will be. And we could see a course record go down there. We could see possibly King Chez's mark go down. We'll talk about all that and more. Make sure to tune in on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to keep in mind we have the Alaska State Championships live on Milesplit this week. And the pre-state invitational, FSU pre-state invitational in Tallahassee, which is in Florida. Uh, Olivia, I'm going to send it off to you. Corey and Ashley, it's so good to see you today and happy October. As Corey mentioned, we have an amazing athlete joining us from Kentucky. Help me to welcome Kiera O'Shea of Medicine Central High School. And she recently announced that she is committing to the University of North Carolina. So we're super excited for her. So far this season, she has been undefeated. And most recently, she dipped under the 17-minute 5K mark for the first time in her career. And she did that at the Nike Cross Country Town Twilight Invitational. And she set a new personal best of 16.52. Kiera, thank you so much for joining us. And congratulations on your accomplishments so far this season. Thank you so much for having me on here. So 16.52, what a huge performance that was for you. How did it feel to just kind of put all the pieces together this weekend in Indiana? And what was your race strategy like going into this meet? Um, it was kind of a big toss up going in, um, just like with the unknown of like where I was going to race, um, because I was, I was, I've been planning to race and carry, um, before that got canceled for the hurricane. So just kind of that whole unknown. Um, I just kind of let my mom where she's also my coach. I just let her deal with all that. Um, and I just kind of stayed focused on my training for the week going into that. And then when I got down there, um, I like she had asked me like what my plan was for the weekend, like where I wanted to race, um, what I wanted to do. Uh, and all I had kept telling her was I just want to run fast. And so, I mean, she was looking at where the competition was going to be and where she thought my best, 
my best bet was going to be. And so uh, going into that race, I knew I was ready. Uh, we had, I mean, we didn't switch up training a whole lot. It's still really early in the season. Um, so just kind of continuing with the same training that's been keeping me healthy and strong and getting to that race and just being ready to roll when the gun went off. How has your relationship with your mom been like since she's been coaching you? Do you feel like it has strengthened your relationship and just kind of helped you to excel in the sport? Yeah, um, I think it makes it really easy, um, like communication wise. I mean, she's my mom and she's my coach. So it's kind of we're always together. She knows she knows how everything's feeling, how everything's going. So you can't really hide anything, even if you wanted to from her. So she kind of just has that like extra piece of information um, that's kind of keeping tabs on me all the time. <laughs> now, throughout the course of the season, you've just been putting together some solid performances across the board, and most of them you've been having to push yourself in a lot of solo efforts. How do you keep that going throughout the season, and how do you make sure that you're you're setting yourself up to compete against the nation's best? Yeah, um, especially this season where we kind of got a glimpse of it last season where it ended up going so long. Um, this season we've really – tuned up training a bit more um, and placed emphasis later in the season. Um, so kind of looking to peak more towards end of November, um, early December, hopefully. So just kind of keeping my training just very consistent um, through this early part of our school season. And then just whenever I know I have a big meet coming up, uh, just kind of tuning up for those a little bit more and putting a, look, uh, putting a lot more emphasis on those races where I know I can put down a fast time and have competition with me. So just kind of having that extra piece of information from last year, knowing how I felt going into nationals where I was a bit tired, um, kind of overran a bit, and then using that to play into this season to make sure that doesn't happen again. Now, I know you mentioned, you know, we still are a little early in this season. However, like we mentioned on the top of the show, it is the month of October now. And I feel like especially with cross country, there's always this idea that, you know, sometimes people's seasons are, you know, made or broken in this month of October. It's kind of where you see that summer mileage paying off and, you know, all that training, you see the results of that. So you mentioned consistency is going to be your biggest key going forward with the rest of the season, especially now that you're in October. What is going to be the key to having that consistency? And, you know, what are you going to be telling yourself mentally as you continue throughout this big month? Yeah, um, just kind of mentally, like, preparing myself for another month or two of just solid work. Um, we have my region and state meet um, just for, like, Kentucky at the end of this month. And so just kind of making sure I don't back off of training for those Um too much or if at all just kind of getting through those and staying healthy through those and then just kind of this framework still building up um before we get into november and december where i really am looking to start cutting back training a bit and really looking to meet the competition for those postseason races 
Now, I know we've already talked about your mom, Jamie, as your coach, and but you come from a family of runners. Your parents met running at Eastern Kentucky. Your mom's an Eastern Kentucky Hall of Famer runner there. She was an NCAA All-American. Your brother, Connor, runs at East Carolina, I believe, too. So, you know, yes. what's it been like growing up and just, you know, just a family of runners in that culture, and how's that shaped your own unique experience with the sport? Yeah, um... I grew up actually as a soccer player, and so did my older brother, Connor, that also runs now. Um, so my parents never pushed either of us in any way to switch to running, um, which I think was definitely a big help in the whole process. Um, but once I saw my older brother, Connor, switching to running, I kind of went and watched some of his races and realized it was something that like I could see myself doing. And so when he made that switch, I kind of also stopped playing soccer and started running at the same time and so just kind of going through that journey um together and knowing where my parents have the experience too like they know what it takes they know how to push us and help us be the best runners that we can be where they've kind of already gone through this whole process carrie you've had a, a an awesome career overall though i mean i i added up the wins from your seventh grade year all the way up till now i got the 35 we might even be missing some but i got i got the 35 for you um and based on what we have you've been running for a long time uh even though you've been playing soccer too um what have all those wins taught you about racing about competing and about you know driving forward each day and each week each week yeah um each win is definitely just a confidence booster um just kind of seeing the work pay off. Um, and I think it's about a lot more than winning. Um, I think just in general, like being able to watch the sport of Kentucky, like running has never been like a huge deal in Kentucky. Um, we've kind of been overlooked a lot the last few years. And I think now, um, you're really starting to see a lot of young talent popping up here. And so just kind of like, yes, I'm winning in Kentucky, but I think I'm, also like starting to really change it um and like i'm watching all the younger girls stepping up and putting down these crazy fast times that not even i was running whenever i was their ages and so just kind of watching the whole the whole sport shift in kentucky um while i'm here and knowing that it's going to be in good hands whenever i'm gone too is super exciting that's a great thing to see did you get any sort of like thoughts from younger kids who come up to you and say hey like you've been an inspiration to me or you know i see your success i kind of want to one day get to where you're at have you if you gotten any of that at all uh i do here and there yeah um over the summer we have a running camp that gets put on in kentucky by uh, a coach that coaches a lot of athletes from all over and so during that like i really i really try to talk to some of the younger athletes um, because I know whenever I was their age, I looked up to all these older runners that were running times that I never thought I would even come close to. And so just kind of taking it, taking time out of my day to talk to those runners, um, and just kind of see like where they're at in their running career. Um, I think it's super cool because I know how much I would have wanted that whenever I was there, their age. For sure. I want to take it back to your freshman season. One of your first races was at the Met the Twilight. You obviously did very well there. Can you remember anything about freshman Kiera? And how does she compare to senior Kiera now? Um, 
I think my freshman self was a lot more scared um, and just not not as confident. Um, every race I went into, I was just kind of putting doubt on myself. Um, I mean, I just kind of let it be. Like, if I get beat, then who cares? Like, I'm younger than all these other girls out here, so why does it matter if I get beat here? But I think running now, like, you can't do that now. Like, you're the oldest here. Like, you're a senior, so just kind of going into them more confident um, and just kind of a lot more ready to face the challenge that's ahead of you. Junior year, Kira did something really amazing. It was your first time qualifying for the East Bay Cross Country Championships. And I saw where you did an interview over the spring with the Kentucky Mile Split crew and you shared a particular medal and it happened to be that East Bay Cross Country medal. And that was the one that really stood out to you the most. How did that experience inspire you for this season? And what did that meet teach you about yourself? Uh, that meet definitely taught me I still had a lot to learn um, through racing. Uh, going into that race, I mean, I wasn't, I honestly was just kind of mind blown that I even made it there. Like, it was just something like I've looked at since I started running my seventh grade year and just kind of seeing that come true um like was just crazy and so I, we kind of went into that race um with a strategy just kind of run my race like not go out too hard and when the gun went off like that just kind of that went, all went away I just kind of blasted out the first loop out there and then really paid for it the second so this season like that race has just taught me so much um so hopefully making it back there this season and Getting some redemption on that course, uh, I think, is going to be a big, exciting race if I can get there. That's amazing. Along with those 35 wins, as Corey mentioned, you also have been able to defend your Kentucky Cross Country Championship title since 2018. I know you just kind of touched on it, how you're just putting your best foot forward and you're helping to kind of shift the sport of track and field and cross country in the state of Kentucky how does it feel to represent that state and even take Kentucky onto the map at the national level? Um, I mean, it's a, it's incredible. Um, just kind of watching where how much the sport has grown um, since I was in seventh grade to the seventh graders now that are running much faster than I was. Um, I think it's really exciting to just kind of see where it's going and how much further it still has to to grow all right here now time for a couple fun questions for you so going back to this theme of october which i know we've already mentioned it's not only cross-country season it's also spooky season so do you have a favorite you know fall activity fun thing to do for halloween anything come to mind um for halloween i usually walk around and trick-or-treat with my little sister so i've kind of always enjoyed that just getting that time to spend with her awesome i know we have some like cory mole here is a very big halloween fan so love to hear that <laughs> and you know beyond you know i want to i want to go into a little bit more of like who you are as a person you know just outside of running like what are some of your favorite hobbies like how would you describe yourself as a person when you step off the cross-country course um, I really just love being outdoors, um, and being with friends. Like if I'm not 
running or on the golf or on the cross country course, then I'm with friends or doing something outside. So just kind of spending as much time with them, uh, especially now where we're kind of in our senior year. So it's kind of the final year that we all have as a big group here together. So just spending as much time with them as I can is really important to me this year. I know you're headed off to Raleigh, North Carolina. Ashley here is a native Raleighan. Uh, so if you need tips or restaurant, you know, re recommendations, just, you know, ask her. She's right there. Um, <laughs> That's right. Anyway, anyway uh, now I have a pertinent question here, too. Um, you know, you are, uh, I think, 17 or 18. You're, you're a young person. Um, are you an Instagram fan or a TikTok fan and why? Yeah, well, I'm actually still 16. So I'm not even 17 yet. Wow. Okay. But... Wow. I would say I'd say I'm more on Instagram than I am on TikTok. Okay. I do have a follow up because we were wondering, did you just start your account or are you like going to try to sort of mold it to your vision now or have you sort of uh restarted from scratch because you only have one post right now? Yeah, I've had that same account since I got it a few years ago. I don't even know. I just Everyone's always made fun of me for not posting on there, but I kind of use it more just to keep up with everyone else is doing and just yeah. kind of keep myself on there. <laughs> no, I, no, I feel you. A lot of people do that. One last question. Who's your favorite follow on Instagram and why? My favorite follow? Um, I don't really know, honestly. Okay. All right. <laughs> Kira. Um, you got plenty of time to figure that out, but, uh, wonderful season so far um you're on the path to to great success and obviously you got still a lot left to go in the season so we want to wish you the best of luck okay thank you thank you so much for being on our show i'm sure we will see her later in the season um we're going to move on to our next topic which is basically the week that was our biggest meet on the calendar is is what Kier was talking about briefly the nike town twilight which was in Terre Haute, uh, indiana and it was uh incredible uh incredible competition it got a little better once hurricane ian kind of shifted some of the focus from great american over to their meet um and we're going to talk about it we want to move right now into basically let's go to the boys meet first olivia what were some of your strongest um perceptions here of this meet Yes, this was such a big meet, and for everyone that's been impacted by Hurricane Ian, the mile split team is thinking and praying for you guys. But as you mentioned, Corey, the boys' team was like insane race. I know Ashley, Corey, and myself, we've all been talking about it. Jesuit from Louisiana wins the boys' title over number three, Carmel. And I think that was something really big and huge. And, you know, we were talking about it all throughout the course of this weekend. But Brady Mullen, who also was a basketball player who turned into a distance runner, improved on his own school record to run a 15.04. He finished sixth in that race overall. Jesuit ended up scoring 97 points and produced a 41 spread to beat out Carmel, who finished second with 106 points. Jesuit came through sixth, 12th, 18th, 21st, and 40th, which is so huge it was incredible to see and Cole Matisse and of Carmel put together another solid win for himself 1451 to stop that clock to win the Nike town and that was just huge on the boys side I think that was the highlight outside of Kiera the 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 big thing to see there at that meet Ashley let's stick with the boys uh 
race there beyond sort of Jesuit or more on Jesuit sort of what did you see from this meet takeaways big takeaways or, or big um, things that we need to keep in mind going forward yeah I mean obviously I think Jesuit is the big storyline here that we've all been talking about I do want to mention though I know we just showed that video up there like how freaking fun does that look out there? They're all like running under the lights and at night. I mean, that's just such a cool atmosphere. But I want to give a huge, huge shout out to Cole Matizen of Carmel here. He runs 1451, like Olivia said. I mean, it was a loaded field. You know, you had, I, th- I believe it was five, you know, mile split 50 ranked boys teams in that race. So huge competition. And he goes off there. He goes, yeah, off there, 1451, just three seconds off of the course record there in Terre Haute, 193 speed rating. Matizen is now 4 for 4 this season in terms of meet wins on the year. And he's number 8 on our mile split 50 list right now. And so I think that was a very, very big statement maker there for the senior from Carmel, Indiana. And I do want to mention, too, I feel like, you know, Jesuit did get that, that team win. Placement matters in meets like this. However, Carmel was second. And they posted the fastest team average of the evening of 1521, which is the fastest high school boys team average ever posted at that course there. I think that's something to look at and be like, hey, I mean, they may not have gotten the win, but they did still post a really good team finish. But it also does show placement in cross country matters more than time. Yeah. Every team, I think, who finished in the top five walks away with that thinking, okay, we did a good job and we, we learned a lot about our team there. You know, it should be said, too, New Orleans Jesuit was planning to go to Great American, so they had to shift focus midweek mm-hmm. into Indiana, which, you know, that that's not an easy thing to do, I think, to shift your mentality a little bit and, and focus on another meet, another course, uh, different teams. So you definitely have to, to give it to them. I mean, I think looking at them, this performance was the best so far of the season of any team in cross country yet. And... Crazy enough, they didn't even have Michael Vaki, who's going to be, you know, in their in their like lead pack one, two, wherever he falls. Lucas San Pedro is still coming back from injury. That team's super, super dangerous as we look forward. And obviously, their their spread, as Olivia said, forty one seconds for that high level running is remarkable. Now, beyond Carmel, too, I, I do want to give a shout out to Plainfield South. I really needed to see sort of what they were going to offer because they they had performed really well in Illinois previous to this meet. But they come in, they finish third overall, they really make a statement and prove themselves as that legitimate team. They were number six already in the in the, the national rankings. That was a great result there. Mason from Ohio, first loss of the season, I think, number 17 on the national rankings. They were sixth. Rockbridge of Missouri, seventh. Zionsville with fifth. Noblesville on the boys' side finished fourth overall. They weren't even ranked, so I think they definitely made a statement. But I do need to push it to the girls' race because prospect of Illinois is like the most – it's a conund- – they're a conundrum a little bit. You know, looking at the results, um, our Miles Split Illinois editor Tony Jones was like, I'm really interested to see what you have to say about the team. I'm still kind of unsure. I do know they're a great team. I know they're they should be and they should stay a nationally ranked team. This was their best win this season, but just last week they were third at Palatine uh, to to York and Assumption. Uh, they won Richard Spring the, the week before that. They were second at Harvey Bross against York the week before that. I mean they've won, won some. They've lost some. They're a young team. I think they're still building their case as to what their best identity is and i think we're really going to see something special from them in the future but really what 
for them, I think they just need everyone on their team to contribute. That's when they're going to get their most ideal performance. Um, Olivia, I'll go to you on the girl side. Were there any other storylines that you wanted to mention there? Yeah, Prospect, as you mentioned, winning that team title with 34 points. But we just had our special guest from Kentucky, Kiera O'Shea. She was at this meet, won this meet in a victorious 16-52 for a new personal best. Nearly crossed the finish line 30 seconds ahead of the rest of the field. She also became the ninth girl this season to go under 17 minutes for 5K. So Kiera O'Shea is just on a roll right now. And she was able to put all the pieces in it, similar to a lot of teams that kind of made those last minute change due to the hurricane. Like Kiera, it was a last minute change for her. So she wasn't quite sure what was going to happen, but here she goes with a new personal best and just executing a really great finish. Ashley? I mean, yeah, I mean, Kiera just was like, wow, it's such a show stopping performance. And like I mentioned earlier, going back to this idea of prospect, like, will they continue to build on this momentum that they have? It is October. It's not just spooky season. It's time to gear up. I mean, I think that, you know, maybe this meet was where they're really, they're starting to hit their stride. And so Mm -hmm. that can kind of be a positive domino effect going forward. One last note on Kiera. Fourth fastest time on that Laverne Gibson course uh, from high schoolers all time. Just three seconds behind Zofia Duddick's performance in 2019. That same year, Zofia went on to win Foot Locker. So, you know, we, we definitely have to watch out for Kira, who kind of made a really, really big statement in that race. We're going to move on to the rest of the pack. We had a big weekend. McQuaid in New York, Paul Short in Pennsylvania, Chili Pepper in Arkansas, Desert Twilight in Arizona, Alexander Asics in Georgia, Jesse Owens in Alabama and Utah region started uh, in, in Utah. So we're going to unpack some of this stuff. I'll go to you first, Olivia. So I want to kick things off in the McQuaid Invitational. This showcased a lot of elite New York talent on this three-mile course. Bethlehem Central won the team title with 48 points over CNS's 66. So when you think of Bethlehem Central, they finished 4, 6, 11, 14th, and 15th. CNS right there on their heels, 1, 5, 7, 17, and then 40. So the person leading the CNS team is Kate Putman, and she won the title in a 16:46, nearly a minute over the rest of her competitors, and she won this race with a 150 speed rating. Now, amongst the top three finishers here, we have Sarah Lassa of Corning, who finished in 17:30. Noel Bartlett of Orchard Park was third with a 17:39. What was really interesting to me was seeing Angelina Napoleon, who is your steeplechase record holder here she was in the small school division but won that in a 1652 with a 148 speed rating the reason why i'm putting so much emphasis on this mcquaid invitational is we're going to see a lot of these invitate a lot of these individuals compete this weekend at manhattan which we'll talk about in a little bit so they already had some time to showcase where they're at right now and it's just gonna be interesting to see what they do this weekend just to quickly highlight what happened in the boys race there were two boys that ran under 15 minutes for this race. You had Charlie Butler leading the way with a 14.54. Mason Torrico of Saratoga Springs was second with a 14.58. And then you had Colin Brown of McQuay Jesuit who just finished in 15 flat. So super close to breaking that that barrier there, but he's right there on the edge of that 15 minute sub uh, five, uh, 3K performance there. So it's gonna be exciting to see what they do in the future. Uh, three mile. That was news in New York. We're going to shift it over to Texas with Ashley. Yeah, so going to Texas. So, well, first off, I want to focus on this kind of this idea of some of the biggest surprises that happened this weekend. So 
going to Texas first with the Nike South invite. In the girls' race, we had maybe kind of a surprising individual winner here. We had Madison Peters, who takes the win in a stacked field at Nike South. She takes the win over Isabel Conda Frankenberg, Samantha and Nicole Humphreys, Macy Wingard. I mean, these are the top girls in Texas all towing the line. And perhaps maybe people were expecting maybe to see Isabel, who was leading, you know, Texas at the time, to go away with this win. However, it's Peters that comes in and takes it pretty handily over her. She runs 1706, a 145 speed rating. She opened up her season with a 17 flat 5K at the South Lake Carroll Invite. And, you know, she has just been building on that momentum that she began with, you know, just a couple months ago. And But when you look at this race, too, it was a tight spread between the top five places. There was only a five-second spread between Peters and fourth place Samantha Humphreys. And so, I mean, that's a huge win for her. Also, Flower Mound as a team on the girls' side goes for point totals of 1, 2, 3, 12, and 25. So that's a pretty impressive team win for there. On the boys' side, it was Kevin Sanchez yet again who takes the individual boys' title, 14-56-8, who win pretty easily there. However, you have the Woodlands, who gets the boys' team title there with 112 points there, 15-45. Team average in a low 37-second 1-5 through five split. Pretty impressive from the Woodlands there. Now, my other surprising storyline, I, I think I saw the time on this result, and I was like, man, wait, like, what just happened? So let's go over to Georgia for the Alexander Asics Invitational, where I have to say, I don't think I expected to see Rocky Hansen run a 14-29 at this meet. Like, that, that's great, crazy. Great photo, too. Great I know. Photo. Like, look at him. It's just like him in the pure of the moment with the finish line there. So cool. But yeah. you have Rocky Hansen, who he was originally supposed to compete at a meet in Greensboro, North Carolina. That was canceled due to the hurricane. Then it was going to be Great American. That was canceled due to the hurricane. So he and his Christ school teammates go down to Georgia. He runs 14-20, a new North Carolina state record by over 25 seconds, a 197 speed rating, U.S. number 14 all time at the distance. I mean, am I, it was surprising just probably because I didn't expect to see a time that fast this mm -hmm. early. I mean, it's just the first weekend of October, but I mean, hey, he's legit. He is legit. Uh, <laughs> one, one thing to be said about Alexander Asics, it is a new course. Uh, the meet director did sort of redesigning a little bit. Justin Wachtel had run 1426 like four years ago on a different course. So, I mean, it's still flat out. 1420s, you know, puts you in that conversation. Uh, and then I was going to remark with Madison Peters. It's shakeup season. Like, I yeah. agree with you. Isabel was sort of the girl we felt was the best in Texas. And now this kind of puts it into the air a little bit. Is it as a lock that we thought it was? Is it as much of a lock as we thought it was? I, yeah, I feel like Texas, it's like, it's all up in the air. There's too many good, there's too many good people in Texas, I have to say. And, you know, I think Madison Peters too, maybe has sort of a chip on her shoulder. Yeah. If you go to Miles Split, Texas, you can read about, you know, she's spent the past couple of years, you know, struggling to fight, you know, through issues with diabetes and stuff like that. And so I feel like now it's like she's finally hitting that stride and she's taking advantage of that. Yeah. Speaking of Texas, you know, at Chili Pepper, just, you know, up north on the girls' side in the Caliente race, uh, we had Lucas Lovejoy, who was number 15, beating Carol, who had a great season up to that point. They're still having a great season, but they get beat by Lucas Lovejoy. Um, and I think that's a shakeup in Texas. So just didn't happen in Texas alone. It was up in, in Arkansas, too. You know, we all saw the result for Connor Burns, 14-32 at Chili Pepper. Really great win there. The Carroll boys over Bentonville, 
good win there. You know, over out west, Desert Twilight, we had Christian Grondiak of Fort Collins winning in Mesa, Arizona, 1505. Uh, the Valor Christian Boys uh, beat Cherokee Trail, who had started on, on a really great tear. And then the Niwot girls, arguably with one of the best performances of the year, kind of rivaling Buchanan, I think, at Woodbridge. Niwot's performance at Desert Twilight, I really, I think, kind of said something very big. The first eight girls were within 60 seconds of one another on their squad. That is significant. Any any thoughts on Niwat's performance at Desert Twilight over Air Academy? I mean, that just shows, I mean, that's pack running to a T. I mean, they're just like grinding it out together. I'm sure that's, that's something that you, you have in practice, you know, like yeah. you're training together, like as a group. And then once you have that trust with all those people, I mean, eight, like, 60 seconds, eight people. Like, that's insane. Yeah, insane. yeah. Over in, in in Pennsylvania at the Paul Short Run, we got to mention that Gary Martin's one-year-old record went down 1449 last year. Brian DeCola of Hatboro Horsham runs 1443 and kind of puts his name there in the Northeast as a guy who has national qualifying hopes. I would think this is a great statement there to get to that point. Episcopal Academy's boys, you know, running a really great race on their own as well. They had a strong showing. In Utah at the Region 8 race, we had Taysen Echohawk over Liam Henninger. Um, as they close in on the state championships, each result is important. And then I just want to mention, too, the Jesse Owens Classic, where for the, I think, second time in two weeks, we had Joe Sapone over Maxwell Harden by a tenth, like six tenths of a second. Uh, 1449, 1459.3 to 1459.9. That is incredible. These guys are, they, they got to be bros at this point. Like, you know, you know, <laughs> brothers in arms kind of going one another. Any, any thoughts on that? Like, that's crazy. I mean, that's kind of fun. How do you take down a... Joe Sapone? How do you take him <laughs> down at this point? Because just when yeah. you think you're about to cross the finish line, Joe Sapone just flies <laughs> right in and grabs the victory. Right. Yeah, I agree. Harden, Harden, props to Harden, though. Props, he's really having a great season. I think, you know, second place, whether it's by six-tenths of a second or not, good result. Brentwood boys doubling down on their win at at Winkfoot also won the meet. So, great stuff there. We're going to move into, uh, as as Ashley said, it's spooky season. It's October. We're hitting the grindstone now. And I think it's crucial stages here where we start to figure out who is a national championship contender uh, on, on that individual side? Who can win a title? We definitely have our favorites. They're really kind of coming into focus here. We're going to explain the boys, and then we're going to move the girls. But we're going to start first with the boys. Who are our top three national championship contenders and why? Ashley, what do you got? So I feel like I want to preface this, preface this by saying... I feel like we can't ignore that, you know, Lex and Leo uh, Young out of Newberry <laughs> Park are going to be some of those contenders. Uh, okay, qualifier, okay. However, however, I want to open this up a little bit, open up the discussion, and mention some other people besides the two obvious young brothers that I think could be national contenders. Mm-hmm. Number one, I know I already talked about him earlier, Rocky Hansen. Again, I think this kid is very legit, 1420.9. That's it. That's the tweet. You know what I mean? And, you know, he's only raced three times this season. And each time he's raced, I think he's just, he's kind of like 
done something even more surprising with each result. Like, you know, how could he possibly top what he just did the week before or something like that? But in each meet, he's done something special. And so I think if he's able to capitalize on that momentum in the next coming months, like he's going to be one of those guys that's leading a, a national championship pack up there. Number two, Simeon Birnbaum. I think he is someone that is going to... I know Olivia calls him, what is it, like the silent hawk is what you like to call him. Like, I think he's the just going to like, hawk. he's going to just swoop in there, you know? <laughs> and like, I think he has some of that like silent star power to him, you know? I mean, he opened up his season with a 1447 at Nike Portland. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, he cruised to like a, you know, a tempo like, you know, 1530 at a home meet. You know, Corey talked to Simeon earlier this season, wrote a really good write up on him. And, He's really excited, right, Corey, for the season that's ahead. I mean, he's not settling for, you know, second place or anything. And so I think he's going to be a contender in the month of December. Then lastly, I think you have to look at Tyrone Gorzy and see if if Crater Oregon and the senior. I think you have to look at, you know, he had such a big summer leading into this cross-country season. He, you know, competed at USU20s, World U20s. And, you know, even though that extended his track season for such a long time, and so he had, you know, a later debut on the um, the cross-country course this fall, I think that maybe that gave him some confidence going into his final cross-country season. He opened up with a win at Woodbridge, and I think he's just going to capitalize on that as the season goes on. And, yeah. you know, those are my top three. I think if you're looking at maybe someone that's, you know, right on the cusp of being a national title contender, you know, just, you know, one of the first ones out, it's hard to narrow it down. I feel like you could look at people like Cole Matizen, um, you know, Taysen Echo Hawk, Hunter Jones, like these guys seem to be really tough competitors. And, you know, when it counts, they're going to go out there and win. I mean, you look at, you know, Cole Matizen at, you know, Nike Town Twilight gets the win there in a loaded field. Tayson Echo Hawk, he's competed against Liam Henninger like every race. And, you know, it's been a really tight competition. So that shows me that he is a gamer and he's a competitor. Same with Hunter Jones as well. And so I think those are some people to, you know, they're they're there. Like, I think they will be up in that front pack. Yeah. One thing for, for the both of you that I did learn recently about Gorzy was that at the Twilight, the Crater Twilight 5Ks, it's a night of 5Ks on the track in Crater. Um, he's going after sub 14 uh, on the track. So in cross country season, that's you know obviously never been done. Only a few guys in history have ever gone under 14 minutes in the high school level. And to do it at cross country season, if he gets there, would be a quite the accomplishment. But I think you know obviously that pick there. I think Olivia has him in in, in her mitts too. But he's certainly going for something historic, relatively soon. Uh, Olivia, um, any? Let's go into your your top three here. What what are your thoughts? Yes, I would like to also preface this as well, agreeing with Ashley. I don't think you guys had this on, on your list earlier. You just added, you no, saw what I had, no. and you were like, oh. I had that from the beginning. Uh-huh, uh-huh. This is on my list. I'm just going this, off of, Then like, you're not answering the, the question then. The, the question was, who are your top three right contenders? As and you're going right to preface now, it? Okay. I'm going to preface this. this. I'm, I'm going with the athletes that, that have been competing consistently and have been putting their best foot forward. The Youngs, I know, have all the talent. I'm excited to see what they do. We just got to put all the pieces together. So with that being said, coming in at number one for me, you just mentioned him, Tyrone Gorzy, of Crater out in Oregon. He made a huge statement at the Woodbridge meet, ran a 1342 personal best for three miles. 
and he's already clocked up 1443 already this season in the 5k at the Rogue Valley Runners Invitational. So I think Tyrone Gorey, and as you just mentioned, Corey, I think that's exciting that he's going after some historical marks. It's going to be exciting to see what he does there. Coming in at number two, I, I thought of Ashley when I put this guy down. I was like, Ashley is not going to let this one go. So Rocky Hansen, I have coming in number two from the Christ School in North Carolina. This guy has been undefeated all season. He ran three sub 15-minute 5Ks already to kick it off. And most recently, he set a personal best, as Ashley mentioned, 1420 at the Alexander Asics Invitational. Huge marks, already setting a huge statement. Now, I know Ashley has this guy kind of on the cuff, but I have him as number three, Hunter Jones of Benzie Central in Michigan. This guy, as Ashley mentioned, it's all grit. I just see grit running through his veins. And I feel like he's going to be a top contender. I feel like it's in him. He wants it. He's going to be going after it. Six races are underneath his belt currently right now. He opened up with a 1436 personal best and ran four races under 15 minutes already for 5K. I know Ashley talked about my silent hawk coming in at number three. I have this guy right on the borderline. And the reason why I have Simeon Burnbond as my first guy out is because I don't know kind of what to expect from him. This guy keeps putting... I just don't know when he's going to strike next, essentially. I feel like he's a national contender for sure, and he's going to sneak up into that mix. He opened up with a 14.47 of personal best at the Nike Heartland preview and then literally cruised to a 15.30 at the Rapid City Area Schools Invitational. So I'm just waiting for the Hawk to soar in. I definitely think he's a national contender. So that's those are my top the, three with Simeon Birnbaum right on the cup there. The question was, who can win a national title uh, and who's your first three in? And neither of you said Leo or Lex Young. You just sort of went down the list uh, after that. But I don't I don't know why. But for me, it, it's got to start with Leo and Lex. And this week at, at Clovis, they'll start to show what we've all been talking about for such a long time. But I do think they, they have earned that respect because of what they've accomplished last year you know finishing leo finishing second at running lane lex finishing third you know running the times that they did um and 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 leo you know ran at woodbridge last year and and ran the fastest all-time performance uh to that point so i mean such a great year obviously indoor outdoor season they continue to prove it what people you know forget though too is that both leo and lex were on the newberry park national championship team back in 2019 uh, as freshmen they are so experienced at this point they know how to it's not just they're talented enough to get up to that point get on the line and run the experience is going to teach them how to run and how to be tactically sound uh, in those moments which you know you can't just you can't just have like it, it it takes earned moments for those to happen so that's why sort of the the uncertainty for some of the picks after after them with Simeon with with Rocky I mean, they haven't necessarily been in those moments yet, so you don't know how they will respond. Both of you talked about that, but it is an important facet to to running at the national championship level. Matisse actually probably is the closest to the Youngs. I would say he finished fifth at at uh, East Bay last year, and I think I've always said that I believe that he is such a huge gamer, and I I think that's part of his allure. He he's really understands when to turn it up, um, and. I think he, he definitely is in the mix. Like, from Leo and Lex, I had number three, I had Simeon, based on the talent. You already discussed it. I had a tie at four uh, with Cole, Gorzy, 
and my guy Devin Kipiego. <laughs> um, because <laughs> I I just I have a hunch on, on those guys because I I don't think we've seen the best out of Cole yet, even though it was a great win this past week. Gorzy is is still gonna come out. Um, I think at, at Twilight and then Oregon State Championships. Kip Yego has this insane fire. We're going to see him go after a Chez, um, you know, only, only I think the sec- third person potentially to go under 12 minutes at, at um, Van Cortland this weekend. He could do that. Um, and then beyond that, I think, you know, Connor Burns, we didn't talk about him, but he's in the discussion too. Um, it's really packed up there with the guys that are capable of, of, of being in, the, in that moment. But I, I don't think uh, experience, you can't be undersold. Experience is critical in those environments. Um, we're going to move on to the girls now, which is as much as talent, but maybe equally as uncertain. Um, Olivia, I'll start with you with your list. That's a bold statement, and I completely agree. It's just like I feel like there's no clear winner on these girls' side. I feel like you have like five, six, seven girls that are right there in the mix, and it's whoever's going to put their best foot forward. But if we were having the national championship today, this is how I feel like it would unfold. Coming in at number one for me is going to be Irene Riggs of Morgantown in West Virginia. She put together such an amazing season opener at the Red, White, and Blue Classic where she clocked a 1703. Uh, solo effort there to win that title that also equaled a 151 speed rating that has been the only race we have seen of her so I hate how she did it like that where she just like teased us with this really great performance and like I want I want to see what she has in the table I want to see what else is left in that tank for Irene Riggs so pretty soon we're going to see her really unfold for the season coming in number two from California I have Sadie Englehart of Ventura this girl clocked a 15.42 for three miles at the Woodbridge Cross Country Classic. This is the fastest three-mile time in history. Again, another 151 speed rating. Such a young talent, only a sophomore. As Corey mentioned, I feel like experience is going to be such a key thing. And Sadie, I felt like, had that opportunity and has been growing on those chances ever since she was in middle school, being able to compete against really tough competitors and put everything out together. So Sadie, I have as number two. Number three, representing Wyzetta High School in Minnesota, I have Abby Nikonicki, senior. She has three solid straight wins over her senior year. She has faced a handful of elite competition, especially from the Roy Griak, where she took the victory there in a 1737 for 5K. And I feel like every time she stepped on the cross-country course against that elite competition, she rises the, the occasion and has brought her team with her. Now, for the first one out, this one was a really tough pick for me, but I have Carrie Beloga here from Cornwall from New York. She is someone that has clocked a 17.07 for 5K already this season. She opened up at the Ocean State Cross-Country Invitational in Rhode Island for her season opener. This is the second fastest performance by any New Yorker behind Caitlin Tui 16.06 on that course. So I know Carrie Beloga has a lot of talent. Again, we'll see her this week at Manhattan. So another opportunity for her to put things together and really show what she's capable of. All right, we'll move it over to Ashley. Olivia, I love your picks. I love them. My goodness. (laughs) I mean, mine are very, very similar. Just flipping the order a little bit. Agree 100% on Irene Riggs. I have her as my number one right now. I mean, I think, you know, she's only ran that 1703 there. But, I mean, you also have to, you know, keep in mind, too. I mean, she took some misdirections on that course. Like, I think, you know, she probably would have gone faster, honestly. Probably under 17 there. And, you know, she has that experience racing in a national 
you know, championship race. She's raced at East Bay before. And, you know, just last week on the show, you know, we were doing our, you know, our athlete comps. And, you know, I think a lot of us compared her to people like, you know, Marley Starlip or Sydney Massarelli, you know, Katie Rainsberger. So if we're comparing her to like that, you know, I think she's going to be someone that's going to be a favorite for a national title in December. Then, okay, for my number two, this is where it flips a little bit, Olivia, with yours. I'm going to go with Carrie Beloga as my number two here. Had that big season opener at Ocean State, 17.07 for 5K. And now I think it's just we're going to just have to see where she goes from here. She's a favorite in New York. And, you know, now that, you know, we're in the month of October, she can really start to ramp up that racing and gearing up for those, you know, races later in the season. She finished fourth at East Bay last season. So I think, again, when we were talking about experience, she has – she, she knows what it takes. She knows what it takes to be up there in that front pack leading a race like that. And so then lastly, for number three, I'll have Sadie Englehart there, Sadie Mania. Um, you know, again, she's just a sophomore, but she has, you know, more experience than any other sophomore in the country, you know, when it comes to competing against other talented girls in the country. You know, I think that win at the Woodbridge Classic was, you know, a really – big thing for her I think going forward and that could give her some confidence and kind of show that you know hey I'm just a sophomore and you know I know I was the freshman phenom last year but I'm still the phenom now so I I'd like the Sadie pick there then lastly we talked to her early on the show my first girl out was going to be Kiara O'Shea undefeated so far this season in three races that 1652 was just incredible and I think she's going to have plenty left in the tank come nationals, as we, you know, as she mentioned. She's just trying to stay consistent now. You know, she's going to have districts and states, and then hopefully looking for champ sports later in the season. And I think she's going to be one up there. Yeah, you know, and with when we make predictions too, it should go without saying that it, it's very hard to, to predict in the first place. Many people don't want, you know people to predict races they think it puts undue pressure on two athletes and then put you know puts tension on things when it shouldn't have to i mean to be honest this is all fun obviously we're, we're talking about cross country um and i think you know it's important not to to put the cart before the horse um but saying that you know this is why we analyze races this is why we get into this we want to really uh, contextualize what makes these athletes so good um and on on the girl side you know Kate Peters was somebody I initially thought was was a national title contender, and I, th I still think she is. We haven't seen her yet. Um, so if she's healthy, I think she's my one. Um, I do know the Nike hole in the wall is coming up this weekend. If she races there, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see what she has to offer. If not, if she's maybe taking the season off, then maybe I'll, I'll move to the next person. And and for me, uh, I think it could be City Inglehart. You mentioned Sadie Mania, Ashley, and we got that from one of our coworkers yeah. because there's this sense, I think, kind of around the U.S. that is building with her. She She's produced and produced and produced. And like I just said, pressure is hard sometimes to put on athletes. Caitlin Tui dealt with it um, a significant amount when she was a high schooler. It's really hard to perform at that level, but Caitlin Tui was such a legend because she raced with that pressure and one time and time again and i think you know people are starting to think that sadie could be the next one up um dealing with that producing at that level and i mean i'm not 100 percent there yet where i feel like she's outright the girl to beat but if she runs clovis and does something you know sadie level i could be there so 
I think I'm getting there with Sadie. So if I had to guess right now, I would say Sadie might be my my pick. Um, Irene comes after that for all the things you know you, you ladies both mentioned. I think she's really great, built for endurance, built for these national championships. She raced at, at East Bay last year, obviously has experience. And then the third one is Ellie Shea. Much like Sadie, we haven't. Um, she has a lot of potential. She has a lot of talent, and she has a lot of probably pressure on her. Um, last year at East Bay, she actually did not finish the race. Um, it was hot out in San Diego that day. Pace went out pretty fast early on, and she struggled. But she came back indoor, ran phenomenally in the 5K. She had a great outdoor season with with the mile and the 1500. I mean, she's she's back there, and I think you know the the races that she does run, she's going to give us an indication of just how well she's prepared for this moment. But I I don't think she is out of the picture. I think she's clearly in it. And for me, she might be one of the most talented girls in the country. So I'm going to say Ellie Shea here. And she's got that motivating factor, not finishing last year. Come back. Let's try to win it this year. That would be my pick. My first one out, I'm going with Kier as well. I, I think she's done enough and proven enough in Kentucky. Greatest high school runner of all time. I'm going to say it right now, Kier O'Shea. Um, and you know, we'll see what happens, but she's my first one out. All right. That was fun. Uh, we will go into our state of the union team analysis next week on the national championship. So stay tuned for that on next week's on the line. We're only two months away from the Garmin running lane cross country championships. It will be run on the fastest 5k course in America. Right now we have some really interesting commitments that we want to talk about because this this race is coming. It's two months away and we got some great athletes, you know, kind of headed for for Huntsville. So Ashley, I'll go to you first. Who are some of the athletes that we're really watching out for in Huntsville? Yes, it's right now the countdown to all these people committing to race at Garmin running lane in just a couple months. When you look at some of the people that have already said, hey, I'm going to go out there, I, I want to talk about a guy from West Virginia. I want to talk about Ty Stewart. He's from Hurricane High School, and he's just an underclassman, and I've kept my eye on him this season. He is on our mile split 50 honorable mention currently. He opened up his season with a 1456 PR to win the Dutch Miller Invitational, and he finished second only to Rocky Hansen at Adidas, um, you know, just a few weeks ago, and then he won the Covered Bridge Open on September 24th most recently. So I think he's one that, so when he is out there on a fast course, like running lane, like, I mean, that's just a recipe, a formula for a huge PR. I mean, he's already ran 14.56. I'm, I'll be really curious to see how fast he goes. Then also on the guy side, we have David Mora of Lubbock Monterey in Texas, the senior. He's one of the fastest guys in Texas so far this season. Currently number 19 on our mile split 50 rankings. He opened up his season with a 14.46 PR to win, or at the South Lake Carroll Invite. He was recently third at the Desert Twilight this past weekend in 15-15. He's a top guy in Texas, but I think he could be a top guy nationally as well at running lane. Olivia. Yeah, Ashley had some great points there for Ty and for David. I'm going to kick it off to the girls' side, who is a new UNC commit from Mountain Brook High School. That This is Reagan Riley, who just made her commitment to go to Garmin running lane. I'm excited to see what she does here. She won the Southern Showcase in a 17-16 and clocked a 17.23 at the Black and Gold Classic. Now, looking at last year at the Running Lane Cross Country Championships in Huntsville, she finished 21st overall with a 17 flat PR. So this is a girl that's, again, coming back. And I feel like if you talk to any of the athletes that ran at the Garmin Running Lane either last year or the year before, it is just full of excitement. You're going to expect to be on a really fast course. 
but there are some hills in there. So I think she's going to have a standout performance there. And she also did a really great job at the Nike town. Um, and also just thinking about Jesuit coming in new conversation. Now top contender for a national title, you know, they competed at the Nike town this past weekend. So I think Jesuit is in this conversation, not only for having great individuals, but potentially grabbing that team title as well. Yeah. I'm really excited to see them in the mix here because you have a team of that stature, you know, you could get other teams that want to compete against them, right? And make this truly a national championship meet. I think that's kind of what we're, we're leading towards. They give the meet cachet. They give it importance. Um, and obviously, their goal, we've talked to them. We have a huge film coming out on Jesuit uh, in November. Their goal is to break 15 minutes on that course as a team, as a team. Newberry Park did it last year. I think uh, I think Cheyenne Mountain did it as a team last year. They're trying to do the same thing, and um, you know now now it's just about getting the competition there and you know going into that with the running lane meet organizers. They are working tirelessly trying to communicate and have conversations with teams and individuals about getting them to this meet. They're doing all they can to 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 help facilitate that um you know john hunt park great course great 5k obviously you run fast at the national level we know there are two races this year you know team nationals is back we have running lane two different sides of the country uh i think it's about sort of you know what's what might be best for your team what will be the, the kind of the best ideal circumstance for your team and 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 where will that be? So I think every team has to sort of figure that on their own. But uh, New Orleans Jesuit sort of made a, a big mark when they, they solidified themselves there. On the team front, Ty Stortz, I agree with you. West Virginia kid, um, you know, being 15 seconds off from Rocky Hansen, who's a national contender right now, is, is, is a great indicator of his potential. You know, come December, once he kind of le- uh, weans back on, on the mileage, and and gets out of West Virginia, who's which is hilly as hell. hill. Oh, sorry, <laughs> oh, my, my language there, but it, it's very hilly. Um, I think we're gonna see some really great performances at, uh, out of him. Uh, Mountain Brook and Riley are were one of the best teams in the preseason for a reason. They had Clark Stewart, who's a UVA commit. Lucy Benton's a two ten eight hundred girl. Virginia Avery has improved significantly. Um, I think Riley and her squad, if they come to to, to running lane, will be uh, a tremendous team that could do something very special. Um, overall, I think running lane is going to be a great meet. And uh, Mosplit, we're going to have the live feed there come December and, and a lot of different content too. Um, but in the meantime, we are going to toss it to Olivia. There's another meet on December 3rd that we also have live on Mosplit. Yes, come join me in Bermuda. That should be fun. Don't forget to register for the Bermuda Cross Country Challenge. Another event that will be live on Milesplit, as Corey mentioned, it will take place December 3rd at the Botanical Gardens, and it's on a 35-acre park located in Padgett Parish. This course has been able to host the Bermuda National Cross Country Championships for over the last 50 years. So each participant that goes to this national championship will receive a custom racing singlet, Bermuda Cross Country Backpack, and a custom Bermuda Cross Country Challenge sweatshirt courtesy of Track Barn. So the regular registration is open from now until October 9th. So if you would like more information, please feel free to visit milesplit.com with all the qualifying standards and just more information on the meet as well. All right. Awesome stuff. December is going to be packed with great meets uh, on tap. We're going to move to this week on the calendar. We have the Alaska State Championships live on Milesplit. We have FSU Pre-State. 
Manhattan as well. We will get to that, but we're going to start first with Alaska and uh, FSU. Ashley, what do you got here from the, the championships up north? Yes, let's talk about Alaska <laughs> here. So these state championships are going to take place at Bartlett High School. Kicks off at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 o'clock their time. You, you have three divisions, one, two, and three here. And there are some guys that, you know, and gals that are going to really be hunting for a state title here. First, on the guy side, you have Seamus McDonough, who is a senior at Homer High School. He's the boys' leader so far in the state of Alaska for 5K this season with a season best of 15-21-58. That's currently number eight all-time in Alaska state history. So do we see him chase for a sub-15? Potentially, he could become one of... You know, just the fourth boy in the state history to ever go under 15 minutes for 5K. He finished ninth in the D2 race last year. This year, he could be a state title contender. On the girls' side, you got Haley Ingalls. She's a junior at Seward High School. Girls' leader for 5K so far in Alaska with a 19.08. So, potentially looking for that sub-19 there. Now, she's one. She didn't even break 21 minutes last year for 5K. And so, she has made a huge improvement this season in 2022. Now, she's a sub-20 girl looking for a state title. She was fifth in the D2 race last year. Now, I know we talked about this earlier when we were talking about, you know, our national title contenders. We have the Clovis meet coming up this weekend where we will see Newberry Park, Lex and Leo Young, and... I guess and now the question is, what will these boys do now that they're going to be going all out at this race at Clovis? You know, their, their full team had a tempo-like effort, um, you know, in early September. And so now I feel like you can really see what this squad is capable of. You know, some of the more recent Newberry results, you still have had, you know, Aaron Solomon, he finished 7th at Woodbridge in 1401. Um, but I'm, I'm just curious to see, like, you know, they it's kind of just like the results of you know these huge training blocks that they've had that they've been gearing up for like what are they going to show out on the course of clovis yeah let's stay on clovis uh, it's 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 so important to see what this team does uh because they've only picked a couple meets out of the calendar year to really you know go 100 percent uh based on their own sort of indications here clovis is is the first one and we've talked about this. I mean, it's one thing to train. It's another thing to go out and, and really perform. Uh, it takes some fine-tuning. That's why, you know, kids tend to race a lot uh, to make sure that they are ready for the bigger ones down the road. So Newberry Park is trusting that the training is, is what will matter, and they only have a couple kind of different meets where they're really going to put it all on the table. Now, they're so talented that they're, they're not going to lose a meet Uh you know, even if they race some of these these uh, state qualifiers, they're not going to lose a meet. Um, but to get the most out of themselves, will they race their most ideal selves in Clovis? Um, that's what we're kind of interested to see. Dev Doshi, uh, I agree with you. Really important piece here. Uh, he was third on the team at Woodbridge, correct? Uh, in front of Aaron, correct? Or at, not at Woodbridge, at their... Uh, oh, Marmont, 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 yeah. Although I think he did race at Woodbridge, uh, and then Braden Seymour uh, from the, the Florida transfer. Very important piece, too. Where is he at in, in this cycle? Um, I think we're going to get a lot of answers there. Olivia, do you have any thoughts on, on Newberry? I think there's just going to be a lot of eyes on Newberry Park. They've been just kind of been underneath that fine line, underneath that radar for a little bit. They're the silent team right now. Um, so I feel like they're just going to put all the pieces together, and I definitely feel like it's going to be a big show. But I know for you, Corey, on the girls' side, this is going to be an interesting matchup for sure. Yeah, Buchanan, number one in the country. I was looking at the national rankings, and 
usually we're like littered with California teams, uh, but we don't really have that this year. It's Buchanan and then everyone else. Uh, from what mm-hmm. we're told right now, Jay Sarah is probably the next best girls team. Los Altos is the right there too. Newberry Park going to make some strides. So I think we're going to see from Buchanan, Buchanan on down uh, probably some, some good insights on the girls' side. Uh, Ashley, any thoughts on the girls' team race at Clovis and what we could expect? Like you said, I feel like this, based on the results of Clovis, like I feel like this could really shake up the potentially the, the miles with 50 rankings. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'll be curious to see what Buchanan does. I think we should also, like we mentioned earlier, Sadie will, you know, I'm curious to see what Sadie Engeltire will do on the individual side. And so I just think overall it's, it's going to be like, you know, I feel like we're all going to be watching this to see just how all these teams shape up, both girls and guys. Yeah. Olivia, I'll go to you with FSU. Uh, I know you have some notes down here. What are some of your thoughts from FSU? Yeah, shout out to Brandon Miles, who gave me some insight. This is going to be a big meet. It's going to be October 7th through the 8th at the Appalachian Regional Park in Tallahassee. So just focusing on the boys' side really quickly, we're going to see Florida number one, Bell and Jesuit boys, face the 4A Florida number two, Creekside boys. And I feel like it's going to be a huge challenge for that team title. This is the first time they're going to face head-to-head this season. Now, looking individually, we're going to see Patrick Kuhn, who is your defending champion. He will push for that course in that meet record of 1459, which was set back in 2013 by Suki Kolasa. So Patrick Kuhn raced and ran a 1443 for the season at the Southern Showcase. And last year, he ran a 1509. So as we predict, we should see something faster. So potentially that sub 15 minute mark can go down. Alongside with that boys race, he's going to face some great competition from Marcelo Parra and Franco Parra from San Antonio, and they'll be there to challenge him. Along inside this field, you're also going to have Joshua Roots. You're going to have Emerson Miller, and Emerson just went sub-15 at the Alexander A6 Invitational this weekend. So it's going to be a great matchup on this boys' side. Looking into the girls' side, I know we have a really big name on this entry list. It's one of Ashley's big namers here, Eliana Black. Uh, so looking, she's going to be looking to lead that Cambridge team, and they're going to be one of the favorites going into this race. They're going to be matching up against the defending 4A champions, uh, Buchholz, and the 3A champs, Pont Verda. So Eliana Black, as I mentioned, could be someone to push closer to that 17th flat this weekend. She won four other races this season, all sub-18-minute performances, so I feel like she's just knocking at that door for something big. She ran a personal best of 17.15 at the Northport Cross Country Invitational just a couple weeks ago. Now, the course record is set by Carolyn Wells, who just started her freshman year at Stanford. She ran a 17.10 last year, and then just looking at the venue record, which was set by Brooke Robert, who's now at NC State, and she ran a 16.54 back in 2020. So Brandon Miles says this is a big meet to keep on the radar for this weekend. I feel like this is another big weekend to look out for. So that's what's kind of happening at FSU, the, at the FSU Invitational. Yeah, that's going to be a hard course record to to beat. Uh, Robber, 16.54 back at AU. Uh, yeah. Well, 17.10 was at States. This is actually, this might be obviously not most more important than State, but Cambridge is a small school uh, in 1A. They're not going to face these teams at state, so they're going to get a look at the best teams in Florida here at pre-state. You know, it, it's significant, I think, because it's an all-classification style meet here in that elite section. So, um, very important. I agree there. In Washington, 
Nike hole in the wall, a great Northwestern affair with some of the best teams in the country. Bishop Blanchett of, of Oregon, of Washington, I'm sorry, they were on the preseason national rankings, is going to battle up against Portland Jesuit, Cheyenne Mountain, and Portland Franklin. Those are four great teams. On the girls' side, Mountain Brooks making the trek all the way from Alabama to compete in the girls' race against East Lake, Lake Oswego, who is, is the home of K. Peters. So I, I'm really... I, I, I want to see Kay Peters in this race. I hope Kay Peters is racing. Corey, Corey I did. Yeah. I, I will say, I did talk to Kay Peters earlier in the week, and she is, she's looking, I think, maybe towards, like, district, so we'll see. Okay. I don't know. So maybe, no, not, maybe not this weekend, but there you go. No go on Kay Peters. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, we learn any, did we learn anything about her? We learned that she is excited for this cross-country season. <laughs> That's okay. what I learned from her. All right, <laughs> but all right. it, it may not happen this weekend at Nike Hole in the Wall. Okay. All right. Well, that just uh, adds, adds to the mystery a little bit. There you go. All right. Uh, Portage Invite in Michigan, always a fast meet going on as well. Pat Amato Classic in Colorado, always good meet going on as well. We're going to finish off the day with the National Meet of the Week, Manhattan Invitational in New York City. Olivia will be on site uh, talking to athletes, you know, hanging out with Hoka pros like Louis Grijalva and, and co. So it's going to be fun. Olivia, what do you got here? Yes, I am super pumped for this weekend, taking my trip up to New York. There are a few girls that have, I'm just going to be keeping my eyes out for this girls race. And of course, we know about Devin Kipiega. We'll dive into him a little bit. But first, let's kick it off with the girls. We're going to have Carrie Beloga lining up at this meet. She has one race underneath her belt. She ran a 17.07 for 5K. She ran that just a couple weeks ago. So here she's going to face a lot of great competition from her home state. Someone that's been kind of underneath the radar a little bit this season has been Zaria Machia of William Floyd. And I know she's going to probably put all the pieces together at this meet. And quite this is a great opportunity to do so. She hasn't broken 18 minutes for 5K this season. But I feel like, as I mentioned, with great competition, she's going to put something really good together. We might see a great season's best from her. But, of course, CNS will be in the house, led by Kate Putman. She looks very strong going into this meet. She won the VBS Invitational. She was second at the Adidas Cross Country Challenge and at the Baldwinsville Invitational. And she goes into this meet with a win underneath her belt from the McQuaid Invitational with a 1646 personal best for three miles. Once again, as I mentioned early in the show, Bethlehem Central faced CNS, and we're going to see another showdown once again. So that's going to be quite exciting. Now, kind of shifting into the boys' race a little bit, as I mentioned with Devin Kipiego, he's going to be probably the talk of this meet. He's going to be looking after that record and making history there. He ran a 14.57 for 5K to kick off the season at the Ocean State Cross Country Invitational. However, Edward Cheserick's record of 11.55.4 on this 4K course, can it go down? This weekend, I think that's the biggest question, the biggest headline going into this race. Can Devin Kipiego take down Ed Chesowitz's record? And just to put it out there, uh, Roland Luff of Trinity out in New York, he has a New York number one time for 5K with the 1515, and he's also in the entry. So Devin Kipiego is the headline. Great matchups on the girls. It's going to be a great race at the Manhattan College meet. Let's stick with Dev Kipiego. All right. Stick with Deb Kipiego. A- Ashley, I mean, is it possible? Does does a guy, only the third guy in history, go under 12 minutes here? 
He, sur- he sure seems motivated to do it. I was going to say, Devin Kipiego just seems like that person. Like, he's talking the talk, you know? Like, yeah. he's really trying to. It's like this mantra. It's like, yes, like, I'm going to do it. He's very confident. Um, I mean, so, I mean, we're talking about Edward Cheserick here. I mean, like, he is a legend. High school version Edward Cheserick. Yes, Not, yes. Oregon version was sort of the, the, the legend grew at Oregon. Okay, but he was the legend in the making, you know, yeah. in high school. I think we can all agree there. Yeah. But so to take down that record would be pretty, pretty phenomenal. I will say so Devin, he ran twelve thirty nine last year at this meet. I will say that I feel like he's a lot, you know, he's come more into himself now, um, you know, in twenty twenty two. But yeah. I feel like he definitely has that mental aspect there. Like he's got that confidence. Now it's just a matter of, you know, will we actually see him go run that? I think he right. certainly can. What do you think, Corey? I, I I think his training has put him in the conversation to be low 12s and possibly under 12 because we talked about it in an interview a couple weeks back. I mean, he's definitely put in the work. He has put in an insane amount of work to get to this point, and and it's gotten him into this, like, elite level of high school runners. Um, You know, two two boys breaking 12, you know, it's not easy to do. Uh, the senior class record here in the 4K is 1157 back in 2014 from Alex Osberg. I think just breaking 12 is going to be the feat overall. And then if he gets to that point and, he, and he's in contention for it, he can go for it. But I think the larger story with Devin is that, you know, I think it's hard sometimes when you are the younger sibling of a famous, you know, uh, runner or athlete to kind of step outside that shadow. His brother, Darius, mm-hmm. was a phenomenal athlete in high school who won a silver medal at the Pan American U-20 Games. You know, and Devin always was looking up. But I think over the last two years, he's truly kind of stepped out of that shadow and really, you know, built his own image uh, in high school. He's, you know, four flat miler. I mean, he, he ran Every single distance, uh, you know, a 3K uh, on down to 5K, he's really crushing. I think he's building a different kind of of career than Darius had, and that's really hard to do. So I definitely think we got to give the man credit for for his ability to do that. And, you know, if he can get some records in his final senior season, that's going to be like the the topping uh, for him. But it, it, I agree, Olivia, headline here is can Devin do it? Ashley, I know you have a little bit more here. Any other thoughts on Manhattan? Yeah, just one more note. Going back to the girls' side, Carrie Beloga, will she defend her title from last year? We'll see. She clocked 14-11 for the win in 2021. I'm curious to see what she'll do this year. Yeah. New York Milesplit said this is one of the best Eastern States championships they've had, most balanced in a while. On the boys' side, Bishop Hendrickson, who is nationally ranked, going up against Bowles. Uh, Christian Brothers Academy, the, to- the top-ranked team, uh, Corning, and St. Anthony's. That's going to be a really great battle. And then on the girls' side, we have Jacksonville Bulls, Assumption of Kentucky, who's an underrated team, Champlain Valley, the best of Vermont, and then Mount Tabor of, of North Carolina. So really good uh, races there set for the Eastern State Championships, and we will have it on Miles, but stay tuned. Leo's got all the coverage from on the ground. Uh, any thoughts? Any Are you going to try any bagels? What What's the food... Uh, oh, sort of vibe absolutely. Going. I will be hunting down the bagels, the burgers. And if you guys want to do TikToks with me, we can do oh, some TikToks. TikToks. I'd okay. Be for that too. All right. You know, got to keep it up with the young kids now. Okay. Absolutely. Mm. All right. I You got to let us know if you do some TikToks because I want to see those too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been the latest on the line show. We will be back next Tuesday talking about everything cross country. We'll talk to you later.